The Lord's Prayer, or is it our prayer? It's the prayer that the Lord taught his disciples to pray, and it becomes ours as we both pray it and as we live it. We pray this prayer because it's a prayer that draws us into the intimacy of, and relationship of Jesus with the Father. And we pray it because it draws us into the kingdom agenda that Jesus had in his life and his ministry. And it aligns our lives with that. This is a prayer that shapes us. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, for yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. We pray this prayer because we want it to become instinctive to us. We want it to shape us. I want to take us back to something that probably most of us listening in today have done at some stage in our lives. Most of us have learned to ride a bike. For some of us, that was a long, long time ago. And maybe we better think of helping our kids or grandkids as they practice to learn to ride a bike. But all of our processes probably went something like this. We got our first bike, maybe for a birthday, Christmas present, and we get on it, we're desperate to ride it, we're desperate to get free and get away from the confines of our house. And we practice and we practice and we practice. And maybe we start with stabilizers, maybe we don't, but we probably end up bashing our knees, falling off, uh, grazing our legs, all kinds of bumps and bruises as we try, uh, repeating time and time again, I wanna ride this bike, I wanna ride this bike. Maybe part of that process is one of our parents running alongside behind us, holding the saddle. But eventually, one day, after all this repetition, we get it and we start to ride. And we're free. We can get away. We can ride this thing. All of us have probably been through that. And it wouldn't matter, probably, for most of us, whether it, we hadn't ridden a bike for 5, 10, 15, 20, maybe even more, 30 years. If you went out and got on a bike now and you've learned to ride before, I bet you could still ride. Why? Because muscle memory has been formed. Neural pathways have been created in the brain that through constant repetition have basically solidified the way to ride the bike. They've helped us learn how to balance, to steer, to get this thing moving. And now we do this task almost instinctively without hardly any conscious effort. The concentration and the practice that it took to get there is no longer necessary. We just get on and ride. That's what we do. As we pray this prayer and rehearse this Lord's Prayer, that's what we want it to do in us. We want it to cause an instinctive response to us as we encounter life. We want it to cause that kind of instinctive muscle memory response where in whatever happens to us in life, we know a couple of things. One, we know that we're loved by Father God and that he is with us and for us and loves us deeply. And secondly, we want to, to know that we respond to the circumstances of life in a way that matches and aligns our lives with the kingdom agenda and ministry that Jesus had. We want that to be so instinctive for us that we don't have to concentrate hard to know that I'm loved by a loving father and that my life is a kingdom life. We want it just to be how we respond and how we react. And so we rehearse this prayer 
and we learn this prayer and that's why we're spending time looking at this thing. We want God to write deeply by his spirit into our lives, both the intimacy with the Father into which we're drawn and the kingdom ministry that gives purpose and shape to our lives. That's why we live, isn't it, folks? Last week, Andy finished the first half of the Lord's Prayer and I thought challenged us excellently to submit to the will of the Father above our own will. I wonder what impact it had on you. Today we come to give us today our daily bread. We move in our prayer from our Father to our bread. From your name being hallowed, your kingdom coming, your will being done, to our bread. Then our sins being forgiven, then us being led and us being delivered. As Peter Lewis says, one of the guys I've been reading in preparation for this, we move in the same solemn exalted prayer from infinities and immensities to the weekly shop and the loaf on the table. Your will to my food. <laughs> we uh, probably often start with my food, don't we? Particularly in this lockdown situation. I've got to get the food in the cupboard. I've got to stockpile the chocolate. I've got to get what I need in the larder. We start there. But this prayer instructs us around a different direction, a drift, different tra trajectory. As we focus today on our needs, we need to remember where the prayer began. Began with his honour, his kingdom, his will being done before it moves to our bread. This pattern of priorities needs to be our instinctive muscle memory. The way we simply respond to life. Don't have to think about it hard. We've trained ourselves enough that that's how we respond. And this change or this focus to our bread is not a sudden shift away from where the beginning of the prayer was. Remember the key phrase that shaped that first half of the prayer? On earth as it is in heaven. Kingdom on earth, will on earth, glory for God on earth. We're now on earth. We mustn't make a false separation. The first three petitions are to be worked out on earth. We look heavenwards. And we live on earth. I want to shape my message today around the two strands that we've looked at here of intimacy with the Father and Jesus's kingdom agenda. So intimacy and relationship with the Father. You know the Father gives us bread. It's to him that we're asking for bread. He knows that we're physical beings. He knows that we're not will-o'-with-a-wisp type creatures floating this way and that way. He knows we need sustenance and we need food and God's fatherly care extends to our physical needs. As Father, God looks out for us. And now this bread that we pray for is at least our staple food for the Englishman. It's the bread on the table. We can't beat a great, newly, freshly baked loaf come out of the oven. The smell is superb. Put your nice butter that melts on the warm bread. Wow, that's fantastic. That'll do as staple food. But for other nationalities in our community, it might be sudsa, it might be ugali, those maize-type meals. It might be rice. 
it might be noodles, it might be pasta. But whatever it is, it's that staple food. And as we pray for God to provide our bread, we at least mean the staple food that we need to nourish our bodies and to sustain us. But I want to suggest to you that it's somewhat more than that. Later, in this chapter, Matthew chapter 6, that we're in, these words are spoken by Jesus. Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? And he goes on, so don't worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. The Father knows, and the Father cares. Seems clear then, doesn't it, that bread is not just bread. It's everything we need for physical and bodily well-being. The Father is interested in the whole of our life and all of our needs. Listen to this as Jesus in the temptation in Matthew chapter 4. Um, as the enemy, Satan, is trying to get him to test God, Jesus replies with these words. It's written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. I don't think that statement is trying to separate physical and spiritual. I think more that statement is trying to help us see that without God, nothing works. Bread alone is no good on its own. We need bread, yes, but it's also about every word that comes from God. Everything we need comes from God. We're dependent on him to make anything work. Peter Lewis again. Without God, nothing works. It's because of God that bread nourishes us, medicine cures us, music delights us. And love makes our lives worthwhile. God is the goodness of all created things. So the Father is interested in the whole of life and in all our needs. And the Father is generous in his nature. Matthew 7, just a few, or a chapter on from where we are. Which of you, if your son asks, for bread, we'll give him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake. If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? How much more will your Father in heaven provide for us who pray this prayer? Give us our daily bread. How much more? Will the Father who loves us answer that prayer? We've seen then that we live by bread and God's word. But the Bible and Jesus particularly take us even further. John chapter 4, Jesus says, My food, interestingly, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. That's his food, to do the Father's will. Bread is good, but bread for Jesus, food for Jesus, points to obedience, to God's will being done on earth, which is what this prayer is all about, isn't it? But Jesus goes even further in John chapter 6, 
where in a conversation following the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus makes the profound statement that he is the bread of life. So how futile to only be interested in physical bread. As important as that is, without seeking the true bread, Jesus, given by the good Father. I think that leads nicely into our second strand, namely the kingdom agenda of Jesus. It's what his life was all about. It's what his death and resurrection brought to a climax. The true bread that makes possible intimacy with God and kingdom living. So let's have a little look at this kingdom agenda and how bread relates to that. Begin by just reminding us of the context of this prayer in which we ask for bread. The lead into this prayer is all about the kingdom. You could look at the challenge of the temptation to Jesus as Satan wants to have his kingdom in prominence and wants Jesus to submit to him and Jesus says no. We can think about how Jesus comes out of that temptation preaching about the kingdom of God and with powerful words and powerful signs demonstrates that kingdom, healing people, delivering people, setting them free. We can think about how Jesus then takes his disciples up a mountain to give him what we know as the Sermon on the Mount in which our prayer is found. And one of the very first words of that sermon, it's all about who are the blessed ones in the kingdom of God. This is kingdom prayer. And bread, I want to suggest, is a natural symbolic way to speak of that kingdom. Let's give a little example from the power of this symbolism in our day. So we can't meet, can we? And we can't wait until we can actually get in the same room together. We want to see family, friends, one another, church community. We want to be together. But what do we do in the meantime? Well, many of us have probably had Zoom meetings where we say, well, right, let's get a coffee. You get a coffee in your house. I'll get one in my house and we'll sit and chat and catch up. And it's great. It gives us a chance to fellowship, to talk with one another. But we long for so much more. That coffee that I have in my house from my kettle only points towards the greater feast and celebration we will have when we can be together. That's what we're looking forward to. And I want to suggest to you that this bread that we pray about in this prayer is symbolic of something so much bigger, so much more than simply the bread we have on our table. A dominant image in our Bibles then is the image of feasting. And I think this bread points us towards that feast. And whenever or often when we see feasting talked about in the Bible, it's talked about as a symbol, as an image of the kingdom of heaven that's to come. It's, it's symbolic of that great feast of the kingdom when we will be with God and we will celebrate the completion and the fulfillment and the total establishment of his kingdom. Listen, let me back this up a little bit. What's one of the dominant stories that goes around with the forming of Israel as a nation? Their dominant story, their founding story is how God brought them from Egypt to the promised land, a land that would be flowing with milk and honey. But for the 40 years while they were traveling there, what happened? They had bread from heaven delivered to them <laughs> every day. 
and quail a few times as well. That bread pointed towards this land flowing with milk and honey, which was going to be the fulfillment, their destination. But the bread in the meantime was symbolic of all that was to come. Think about the prophets and the psalmists. Think about the banquets that they speak about being prepared, of tables laden with fine food, even in the midst of enemies. And then think of Jesus, the true bread that we've seen. What does he do when he comes and lives on this earth in the New Testament, in the Gospels, he eats with sinners, he feasts with them, he eats with his disciples, he performs miracles of multiplication of bread, and he compares the kingdom of God to a banquet in which all are invited and many unexpected will come. The centurion those from the highways and byways we're told to bring in, a tax collector. Many of those who are invited don't come, but those unexpected do, and they're welcomed into the kingdom of God. And how appropriate for Jesus then, the true bread and kingdom bringer, to teach us to pray for bread, right in the context of this kingdom prayer. And one way to understand this daily bread is that it's bread for the coming day. That Greek word that's translated daily is only used once in our Bibles. And it's, only, it's not even used completely in any ancient Near Eastern literature that we can find. So there's a lot of debate as to what it really means. Another way of interpreting that word daily is to interpret it this way. Give us today the bread of tomorrow. It's the bread of the coming day. It's the bread that we will enjoy in completeness and fulfillment and fullness in the future. Give us that bread today, that day when your kingdom has fully come and we're with you and we experience peace and joy and all that comes with your kingdom and health and wholeness and no more crying. Give us that bread today. Let us taste it today. It's tomorrow's bread today. That is the now and not yet of the kingdom. The kingdom is here and we taste it, but we pray your kingdom that is fully established in heaven, bring it into this earth and let us enjoy it and taste it until that day when we celebrate that banquet with you and we enjoy it forever. So we pray the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven and let us taste the bread of that kingdom, the feast, the banquet of that kingdom in this day. Fits right in, doesn't it, with praying this prayer. And so, yes, of course, we pray for bread. We pray for what we physically need. But we pray this prayer in the context uh, that it's a kingdom prayer. It focuses on God, his Father, his honour, his will, his kingdom. It starts there. And we pray with an awareness that bread alone is not enough. We need true bread. Every word that comes from God, the bread that lasts for eternity, that satisfies me to my deepest parts, that I will enjoy forever with God. And that bread is found and is the person of Jesus Christ. And as we respond to him and align our lives with him, we enjoy that satisfying eternal bread and we can enjoy it in this life and don't need to wait for the next. If you've never taken and eaten of that bread, that is Jesus Christ, you can do so today. He's alive. 
He's here by his spirit. He's present. If you want to respond to that Jesus and taste of that bread, just want to encourage you to pray this prayer after me now. Lord Jesus, I want a taste of the bread that you give that is for eternal eternity, that is eternal life. Jesus, I invite you into my life to satisfy my deepest needs. And Jesus, I want to give myself to you and to your kingdom agenda. I submit my will to yours. Thank you, Jesus, that right now you come and make your home in me by your Holy Spirit and I receive you. Amen. If you've just prayed that prayer, particularly if you prayed it for the first time, I want to encourage you to make contact with us. At the end of this service, we'll put details up of ways to make contact with us. And we'd love to help you in the first steps that you make in enjoying this eternal bread, this Jesus, this one who satisfies our every need. Lord, give us today our daily bread. Let's live this Let's live for the cause that Jesus is about and let his satisfaction of us help us align our lives so that we have instinctive responses to the kingdom agenda that is his. God bless you.